beautiful people on today's episode i have two amazing women omayeli and ivk so to start off i will let them introduce themselves ivk we'll start with you all right hi guys my name is ivk or ibukon um i've known stephanie for wow since 99 throwback why are you aging us why do you want people to know our age you've just casted us <laughs> No, 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 no. But I mean, I've known her for many years since secondary school. And then we went to the same college in Oklahoma. Boomer sooner. Okay. IBK. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Over to you, Omaeli. Hello. My name is Omaeli. Um, I've known Stephanie for even longer since primary school. Um, yes. I'm not going to say because she said <laughs> so we were just not yet. So we went to the same primary school yep. um, and secondary school. So pretty much for like 20, how many? 20 something. Let's yep. just keep that number on the deal. Let's, just, yeah, let's just keep it vague. They don't need to know the exact, yeah. <laughs> the exact number. Okay. So for the purpose of, I guess, some of the discussions that we'll be having, Omaeli is in the United Kingdom and currently Abika is recording from Lagos. So just to give you guys some perspective on what we'll be talking about. So October first, Nigeria turns sixty. Yay or nay, <laughs> depending. And uh, so we're just going to talk about some of our memories because we were raised in Nigeria, regardless of our current locations. We were raised in Nigeria. We went to primary, secondary school in Nigeria. So some things about history, some things about fun memories, and of course, you can't talk about Nigeria without the downsides, right? Why are we still out of the country? Why are we still abroad? Why don't we want to move home? What are the problems that? Nigeria is facing and how are we a part of it pretty much so I'll start with some favorite childhood memories and I'll give you guys just three questions I'll list some things and you have to tell me which of these was your favorite in that category so number one is there a prize for the winner <laughs> we'll talk about that off screen off, off camera <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in camera for the, for, for the prize so number one Choco Milo Goody Goody M and K or treble. Goody goody. Goody goody, hands down. Yeah, goody goody for me as well. I love Ew. goody goody so much. No, really? You didn't like goody goody? Gross. <laughs> and yeah, it but reminds that was part me of, of it. being in the school bus, either going for an interhouse to another school and then in traffic trying to hustle low key because we're not allowed to hustle low key, not allowed hustle to low key and buy it in traffic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, I think okay. MIT for sure. Why? It's just like M and M. Nothing that just, different. Yeah, but I really liked M and K. Trebot too, but M and K. I remember buying M and K lot. M and K. So there was another one called Gogo. What was the difference? Gogo. M and K. Gogo was oily. It was the colors. <laughs> it was oily. Yeah, and it was oily. It was very shiny. <laughs> <laughs> it was the poorer version of M and K, basically. Of M and K. I really like Chocomilo as well. So I don't know Chocomilo and Goody Goody for me. You guys yeah, like Chocomilo was never on my list. Mm, I found yeah, it a bit too nah. bitter. Okay, next one, Mr. Biggs or Sweet Sensation? Mr. Biggs. Mr. Biggs. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite thing from Mr. Biggs? My meat, their meat pie for me, was it? Um, sausage roll um, for me. And till today, every time I'm coming back, so I was in Nigeria, I think in February or March, before mm-hmm. I board my plane, I go via the Mr. Biggs stand in Murtala Mohammed. So I oh, bought wow. like six or eight sausage rolls to bring back. Wait, I didn't even know they had a stand in Motalama. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. You just have to I'm know where you're going. I haven't been to Mr. Biggs in forever. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, it's not really the same well. anymore. Like, 
the last few times I've been back, it's been crappy. I think maybe they've given up on themselves. Because when you go, the people who work there are not really interested to see you. And then they're always like, we don't have this. We don't have donuts. We don't have meat pie. We don't have scotch egg. I think they're oh, they don't have your change. Food. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so now it's more <laughs> of rice and all those other, like, chicken. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. I don't remember the last time I've seen him, Mr. Biggs. Like, I haven't been oh. to Mr. Biggs before. But you guys, in secondary school, Mr. Biggs was king, though. No, like, for real. Like, hoping, begging the teacher, please tell me stuff for Mr. Biggs. Wait, uh, do you guys remember when the Mr. Biggs nylon was yellow? Yes. It still it is. is. <laughs> no. It was white. It's white. Oh, is it white? I thought it was yellow yeah, and red. It's, it's white. It's yellow. Oh, okay. it's yellow. I know it was but, white at some point, but I don't know. Yeah, where at some point it was now. white. But as mm. I think, we're, oh, did you guys ever have their burgers? No, I, I think I did, but I didn't like it. Yeah. Well, the meat was kind of hard, but yeah, we had burgers like back in the day. Funny enough, a lot of my childhood memories because growing up there was. Oh, my, do you remember the Mr. Biggs close to Corona VI? Mr. Biggs, yeah. that was right, that's right next to my family house. So literally, yeah. like when we were younger, we would just cross illegally the back gates and go to... Like, <laughs> my cousins and I would gather all our change and go there and buy maybe like two things and cut it into God knows how many cousins we were. And oh my gosh. <laughs> and I remember the traffic because that was... It was right off Uzumba, It was right off Uzumba. And that was the number one motivation for me to actually wake up early. Because I knew that if we woke up... Earlier, we would make it to big skew because everybody in Cornavia went to that same. You will see everybody, even when you're driving by yeah. the whole school was there. Hilarious. Okay, the next one. Gold Spots, Limka, or Lulu? Mm, what's <laughs> Lulu? Lulu from secondary school. I remember the name, but what was it? What was okay, the you guys don't remember Lulu. It was in those little I bottles. Remember. That was literally the only drink they yeah, sold. Yeah, I remember it. I remember it. I remember it. I remember. It. I remember, I remember. It. No, I think Limka. <laughs> the green think, one, right? The green one, yeah. I think yeah, I had a show. Yeah, I had a show. I think gold spots for me. Lulu was just... Lulu was more like we didn't have a choice, so we're drinking it every yeah. day because there was nothing else to buy. <laughs> I don't even remember the flavor. Was, was it apple or They something? had different ones. They had grape, apple. I don't remember what orange. I remember the orange. Wow. I think it was orange. Yeah, they were different. Yeah. And then you couldn't pick the flavor. It was whatever packet was open that it would sell to you from the shop. <laughs> also like... So you would be like, Auntie Betty, grape, grape, grape. She would just throw apple at you. You'll be going... <laughs> oh, okay. Then roadside snacks. What's your favorite thing? Like boiled granite, roasted corn, roasted whatever, plantain, yam. What does they sell on the road? I think those are the main things. Um, mine will have to be. Did you say poly? Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Mine will have to be um plantain, bakery, the very thin. Oh, those very thin. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like corn, roasted corn for me, and then followed by boiled granite and sugar cane. Oh my god, so many things. Oh yeah. Actually, yeah. I like both. It's not really a roadside snack. Oh, it's all mm-hmm. the roadside snack. You can pass for. Yeah. Kind of. Okay, so those are some fun stuff. Now, we'll go to some Nigerian history. From primary school, actually, specifically. So when you think of Nigerian history in primary school... Oh, sorry, I have this argument with some people. Did we have history as a subject, or was it part of social studies? In primary school or secondary school? In primary school, did we have history? Oh, I feel like we had history in primary school. school. I think. Mm, I don't remember history. I, think so. I remember social studies and general knowledge. Oh, but I don't general knowledge. Yeah. I don't remember. That's really weird. I don't remember if we did. Even in secondary school, in junior school, I don't think we had history. No, in we didn't school, have school, I know you had. Yeah, so I don't think we had. We had social school. studies in junior school. And then in school. social studies, they taught history and stuff, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
That's so weird. Why not? Only if you're in art. Do people in arts class do history in secondary school? Yeah, because we did it. Well, I did geography. So it was you. You pick history, geography, or what was the other one? Anyway, some people did history, but I did geography. Literature. That one, literature. I was going to say literature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So most people in arts did literature, but yeah. So how did I do geography if I did sciences? Then we didn't have a choice because geography was science. Okay, okay. Yeah, so we had to do geography. And then I think in senior school, we had to pick between geography and economics. Or was it economics and further math? I don't know, it was just a weird, but anyway. <laughs> so I think of, so I guess it was secondary, so, sorry, I guess it was social studies. So in primary school, when you think of just Nigerian history, what is like the first thing that you that comes to mind or that you remember just about Nigerian history from primary school? <laughs> um, John, go ahead, Maya. No, you go first, Ivy. I don't know why this name just came to my head. Mary Slessor. Oh my god. <laughs> she abolished the killing of the killing twins of twins. twins. Yes. yes. I remember yeah. that for sure. Yeah. That. Okay. Omar, what yeah. about you? Um see, I'm I might get the year wrong, but I think amalgamation and nineteen fourteen is ringing yeah. the bell. Northern, Northern and Southern Protectorate. Yeah, Northern and Southern. Hey, I remember my cramming session. Yeah. <laughs> All I think about, to be honest, is Mongo Park and Vasco da Gama. I don't even remember. I know somebody was a Portuguese <laughs> sailor or something. Because it was a song, Vasco da Gama came to Africa. I can't remember the details, but... And then I remember River Niger, River Nile, I think like seven rivers in Africa. Mm. But yes. in primary school, I had no idea that Nigeria had a civil war. They never mentioned it. It's not even in passing. Right. Never talked about it. So I feel like I kind of got it passive-aggressively passive because obviously my parents are not from the same part of Nigeria. So just all those funny jokes, right? Like jokes on my mom's side, jokes on my dad's side. But the whole joke was, you know, why is somebody from the East married to somebody from the South? So I knew that there was some beef, but I didn't know what exactly it was. To be honest, till date, I don't even know what the mm-hmm. full story is. Because depending on who you ask, right? If you ask, say like Yoruba people, they will say Igbo people did this. And if you ask Igbo people, they will say Yoruba people did that. But I think my question is why when we taught about civil war like it's part of our history so why wasn't that something that we were taught because it's about genocide in rwanda taught us about Hol- no, i don't talk about holocaust but we knew about the holocaust right mm-hmm. so how don't we know anything or much about about the civil war, civil war. yeah yeah and I, I mean i was saying i was saying that there are a couple of colleagues that i have which is slightly embarrassing that actually know more about <laughs> nigerian history than what they ever taught us in school in Nigeria. Wow. And this Biafra and Civil War, so they had a play in London called Three Sisters, essentially based on the story of Biafra, um, a national theater. And watching that play was the first time I actually got, I guess, a very broad view on what Biafra was, what the cause, I mean, there's really no unified, as yeah, you said, there's yeah. no unified school of thought as to who caused what. Yoruba people have a different account of what evil people do. But that was the first time, I mean, and this was only two years ago at my big age. That was the first time I actually <laughs> saw the full picture of the Afro and how it played out and, you know, the impact that the British or the colonizers had in the civil war. I had absolutely no idea. But, um, yeah, why that's been left out of, you know, secondary school curriculum, I don't, I have no idea. For, for me, I think the first time I got like a, I guess a broad picture of what happened was on YouTube, actually. There's a documentary about it. And I feel like the narrative was even a little one-sided. 
Like yeah. it was more of how oh, Juku abandoned his people and they starved to death and all those things. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's partly why um, we were never taught those things because there's still the stereotype. People still have that stereotype. I mean, we are not fighting war, but I think people still have an idea of, oh, evil people are this way. You're about mm-hmm. like this way. How is that people that? Because I feel yeah. like before the war, we didn't have those tribal issues. Because when you look at it, like even people going to school and like my grandpa would say, you know, my grandpa is what, 91? And he went to school in Ibado and it wasn't a thing, right? He came from Imo states, you know, whatever it was called at the time. Because obviously I'm sure then it was like maybe Eastern, whatever it was, Eastern region. You know, went to school. So a lot of his friends are, you know, Yoruba people, different places, moved to Lagos, you know, worked. But somehow by the time it got to our parents' turn, when they were born, I think things were still okay. But the war happened when most of us, our parents were maybe like five to ten 15 so they were young but you know they now bore a lot of the brunt of it where they are the ones that now started those don't marry this don't marry that because if you look at a lot of people's great-grandparents people intermarry we found out that my dad's was it grandma or something was actually Igbo, and my dad didn't even know this for the longest <laughs> time so what are the odds that he ended up marrying an Igbo person you know what i mean mm-hmm. but by the time he and my mom wanted to get married it was such a big deal like you can't marry an Igbo person my mom's side was like you can't marry your person but if his grandmother did it, do you understand? How are we going backwards? But obviously, that was post, you know, the war or whatever. So it's like we're living with the consequences of what happened without actually knowing what happened. No, so you just know from home, my parents will never allow me to marry a blah, blah, blah person. Yeah. But you don't even know why that yeah. is, yeah. you know? And I've heard people say they don't teach it in schools because they don't want, you know, chaos or fighting. Well, I'm like, we're still doing that anyway, but we're just doing it silently. Mm-hmm. So imagine going to school, having friends from different places. When it's time to get married, your parents are like, mm-hmm, cut that friendship. It cannot lead to anything more than friendship, you know? I don't know. It's really weird. I feel like we need some way to go back and really get different stories. It will never be unified. But you think about like interviewing like your grandparents, asking them, what do you remember? I feel like if we actually got so many different people's opinions and pieced it together, we'll probably get a fair enough picture of... Mm-hmm you know, what happened and what went wrong instead of a lot of them say, them say, like, we yeah. just don't do this. We don't know why. We just don't, you know, do this. I think that. it's interesting that, you know, they didn't educate us on what happened, but then isn't NYC supposed to, like, wasn't it created to merge tribes? Or was, yeah. yeah, so they tried yeah. to fix the problem, but then they never really told us what the problem was in the first place. And I think it started working at first because, like I said, people in our parents' generation, they went to NYC in all kinds of places and it was fine. Like, there wasn't a second thought. But these days, when they send you to, you, you're just thinking how you can redeploy to Lagos. Like, yeah. nobody wants to right. go. Which, to be fair, they've had, like, tribal fights and people have died and coppers and, you know, whatnot. But that's what I'm saying. Something happened in between our parents' time and ours that actually made things worse. But I don't know what that is that happened. And we can't talk about, you know, Nigeria is 60 or things are not working without bringing up tribal issues. Because that's a lot of reasons why things are not working, right? You go yeah. somewhere and people want to hire someone from their own village to be, you know, work in that place. So even if oh, you're yeah. qualified, yeah. nobody wants to hire you because let's say your guy is Igbo, he doesn't want to hire a house person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Even um, over here in Nigeria, like apartment mm-hmm. complexes, sometimes they won't, depends on what tribe you're from or who, who's running that. Um, I have a friend who, he tried to apply to um, move to this estate and mm-hmm. they didn't allow him because he's Igbo. Was he owned by him. a Yoruba person? Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was really surprised. I mean, this was 2019 and I was like, ah, 
at this point, we're still. And I told him, I was like, you don't want to live there anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. if they already told you that they, they don't like you, they hate you. Then. So that's what, that's the problem or issue or whatever. Because there's some people who are age mates or whatever, and they are very serious about that whole we don't mix. I don't know if it's because we grew up in Lagos where, I mean, you, my friend was saying yesterday that she just realized now as an adult, she's Yoruba, that a lot of her friends growing up were Igbo. But when she was younger, no, but you didn't know, it didn't matter. Like the tribe wasn't mm-hmm. a thing. It was just, oh, you have this name and you have that name. We were not thinking of tribe, but somewhere along the lines, we got older. That now got pushed on us. Like these people are different from you. You can be friends, but you can never be, you know, you can't be too tight. So they say, don't trust evil people. You evil people, you know, kill their parents for money. Yoruba people are, you know, whatever, all these stereotypes that we keep carrying forward. And then what happens now that we are getting married and having our own kids? What's going to happen to them? That's something I think about a lot. Surely now that people are, you know, trying to move abroad, settling in other countries, Canada, giving birth in America. If we that were actually born and raised in Nigeria could not figure it out and foster unity, what now happens to our children who are being born all over the world? What happens to our, our language? That's another big one. How many people speak their language fluently? Yeah, Very there's not many people in our, yeah. in our generation. So if we don't speak our language, language, what are we going to teach our children? And forget and even gonna... the major languages like Yoruba, Ibu, and Hausa. What about mm-hmm. the other languages that are not as, you know, the tribes are not, are not as big? Yeah. Yeah, or prominent. So we're losing a lot. Even traditional weddings. I was telling somebody this. When you look at a lot of people's traditional wedding pictures, it's as if the whole Nigeria is just Ibu and Yoruba and Hausa. <laughs> like so other people wear, now modify, Abby? yeah. Other yeah. people have started modifying because, every, especially uh, the whole maybe Ashoke thing. Everybody's like, "Oh, I like Ashoke. I want to have." Even people have seen some of them traditional wedding and your tie Ashoke. I'm like, that's not your tradition. It's mm. a nice fashion statement, but you get it's not. So we've kind of all started throwing away things that we feel are not cool or are not, you know, whatever the word is, are not popping. So that's another worry that I have that we're going to get to a point where and nobody's writing these things down. Oh, nobody's yeah. actually taking notes and you know maybe making documentaries or movies or i mean i don't know if museums have some of these things but i'm like what happens when everybody's just you know yeah. doing what people are Wants doing to be modern i think that yeah. is finding the balance because in our quote-unquote as much as i don't like this word woke generation mm-hmm. people are braver to denounce parts of culture that they feel you know we shouldn't, we should never have never even become part of culture in the first place. I mean, not saying, for example, Yoruba culture, as with most of other Nigerian cultures, respect is a big thing. But then, you know, sometimes there are certain boundaries that are crossed that people actually feel, okay, this is going beyond the basic respect. Basic right. human rights. So basically what you owe someone, what you owe someone in respect versus, you know, what you're demanding is two completely different things. So people start to eliminate certain aspects of culture in the hope in the view that okay we're all very modern we can all think for ourselves now we shouldn't have to just conform to culture but at the expense of also slowly chipping away at the parts of the culture that should actually remain so i think it's finding the balance between being you know understanding you know what you're about in your generation and what we don't want to carry over to our children's children's generation but also leaving parts of our culture that we can actually say okay this particular thing or i'm proud to be Nigerian because of this or because of that. But it's finding that balance. I feel like a lot of people are just left, right, center, exing, what's the word? Cancel. Okay, not quite cancel culture, but like there are certain things on Nigerian culture that people are like, I'm not doing this. There are people that, okay, example, I had a conversation with, and again, people have different opinions. In the Yoruba wedding, I'm not sure about the Igbo wedding and whether the wife has to kneel down, but there's this whole, you dance around, you meet your wife, and then the idea is you kneel down in front of your husband idea or the meaning or the what's the word you know th- there must have been a meaning behind yeah, i guess it's true respect tradition mm-hmm. it's tradition and i understand the, 
some people were saying they cannot do it. They're not, they don't have, have an intention on leaving that from their husband or feeding him palm wine, which is fine. But then on the other hand, some of us were saying, you're reading too much into this. Yeah. It's just part yeah. of the tradition. You know, the kneeling down says, okay, I'm accepting your offer to, to essentially, you asking for my hand in marriage. But it's, there's almost, the lines are becoming so blurred that everything right. is now being... Feminism, wokeness. Yeah, everything. The wokeness is blurring the lines of culture. And you're like, how far are we going to go before we... I find that point interesting because I think it was last year or two years ago, there was one girl on Twitter that was actually trending because she said she had told her, Alaga, whatever you call them, specifically not to enforce that part. So she's not laying down for anybody. So I think she tweeted it and people were like, you're stupid. You think you sound smart, but you're stupid. <laughs> yeah you know people on social media i think they were insulting her like so in your mind you think you've said something now who cares what's the big deal are you the first you know so another woman left a comment saying i have a phd i make six figures in dollars you know this is my profile and i still nailed down at my traditional wedding i didn't take anything from me like it's just a traditional wedding what is the big deal you know so on one hand i can see where both people are coming from but once again it's just part of the fun of quote unquote traditional wedding so if you start taking off another thing with that girl she told the alaga not to say ileoko so she was like she doesn't want to hear ileoko at all so for people that are not nigerian like husband's house doesn't hear any mention of husband's house because it's not his house and yeah. both of us in our life. <laughs> so it was such a thing and for me i don't know i'm just not forced it's not something i think is a big deal yep. i don't care yeah right yeah. So, okay you did that at your wedding was there any I hope this guy is not expecting mm. me to be kneeling. Like, what was it? Was it a not at all? No, I mean, I like the enter- I like the process. I like the tradition. I like having to dance, and you wear his cap for him. I mean, what's the big deal? You know that you get up. Like, I don't really see anything wrong with it. I don't kneel down for my husband every day. It's not like I, I, <laughs> I will kneel down everybody. You don't say breakfast. Say breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, mean, I, I like the tradition, but there are some things though, you know, that um. For example, the whole list, you know, with your rap people, yeah. they have a list yeah. every year. My mom thought a lot of those things were unnecessary. Like, mm. there are so many things on there, like the fabric. I mean, am I really going to wear? Where am I wearing all those things to? Do you understand? Yeah. But back in the day, having different types of lace fabric, I guess, was like, you know, it had yeah. a meaning. A meaning. I true. mean, we need to revamp that list. You can put iPad on there. Again, <laughs> <laughs> luxury holiday. Yeah, luxury holiday. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it just depends on the time. But kneeling down for your husband, to oh, so each his own. Yeah. To each their own, and I see both sides of it. But yeah, I think people overthink. Yeah. But you know things. what's funny, right? You don't want to kneel for your husband at your wedding because you think you know whatever we're equal. But you want him to kneel down when he's proposing to you. What's a big? Do you understand? <laughs> exactly. It doesn't simple. make any sense, right? Yeah. So he's knelt, you know, to propose, and then you are kneeling back to quote and unquote accept the proposal. What is it? Do you, yeah. do you see what I mean? Like sometimes I think we, in our quest to, as Omaeli said, be modern and be woke, we do things that don't really make much sense. To be fair. I think a lot of times we don't understand why we're supposed to do those things and that's what makes it difficult to accept. It's not like they taught us in school. I don't know how many people's parents tell them, this is the tradition, this is why you're doing this. So for a lot of people, it's just, I'm doing this for my parents. They don't see it as something personal and it's interfering with their own. Because you see guys also, remember there was that video of Peter Doche saying like a man who kneels down to propose is a fool or something. I can't remember what it was. And people were angry about that. So I'm just like, yeah. Till today, I don't know. I thought it was a, a, thing, a scene from a movie. Apparently it wasn't. He gave like some deep, you know how Chris Pizzolitio will say, you know, the ego that oh, sees from the sky yeah. and all those things. And then he said, you know, any man that kneels down to that is a fool. And people were, you know, hailing him and, you know, what people were insulting him. I feel like we have greater problems than 
that. Like you exactly. know, you don't know. Is that is that going to determine if you have a happy marriage or not? I don't believe so. But right. you know, whatever. And I guess his generation. I mean, I guess kneeling to propose is that a Western thing? You know, it is. It definitely exactly. is. Exactly. So I can see how you would be like, yeah. why are you kneeling down? You why understand? You down? And it's also a generational thing. I'm not saying that our parents and their mm. you know grandparents didn't know. I mean, I don't know if they know that. I don't think they know. No, my dad. Did. But this whole. You know, fanfare running, the girl oh, runs around the relay track <laughs> when she comes back to say yes. Like, I think they showed me one like, was it two weeks ago when the girl was crying, kneeling down, rolling that on? That was the- very dramatic. <laughs> like, it was, it was, oh my goodness. And the they, whole were spraying, production. they were spraying her. And they were spraying her while she was it crying. Was, and you know, they were playing saxophone. Huh. And people yeah, were there. You say yes, and cameras much. were flashing, and she was in her pajamas and bonnets. We kept trying to figure out what happened. Like <laughs> this, what, yeah. she was weeping. Like the guy looked tears, embarrassed, like, down, and the guy was just emotionless. Well, yeah, it's changing funny. generation. It's funny you say yeah. that because I remember. My sister and I were talking about something one time and we we're just saying how, you know, when people are getting engaged, you have to have your nails done, blah, blah. My mom was like, why? Well, like, because, you know, the ring, she didn't understand. She was like, what does your nails being done have to do with, you know, the ring or whatever? And we now try to explain the whole concept of how, you know, she said yes pictures where, you know, you take pictures yeah, of your the That was a foreign <laughs> concept. My mom kept saying, why? I don't understand why. So we had to yeah. like actually pull up pictures and show her. Mm. And she started laughing. She was like, what's all this? Like, what's been, what is all this for? She was like, she didn't get her engagement ring to the wedding day. Like my dad gave her the two of them on the, on the mm-hmm. wedding day. So she's yeah. just like, what is all this? You know, even when we're talking about the amounts, you know how they say people have to spend, is it one month salary, two months? She had her yeah. eyes popped open. She's like, for what? Like, what are you guys doing all these things for? Mm-hmm. So clearly, yeah. imagine coming from that generation to ours now, where it's like, if my ring is not this, my nails to be done, only proposed to me on vacation. I have to cry. Family, friends, I have to cry. <laughs> make sure it's recorded. All this other, yeah. you know, extra, jump from the sky and, you know, whatever else. It's just, <laughs> this is just the engagement not even the wedding or the marriage engagement and I feel like that takes away from not like you can't have both but a lot of times people are so focused on that and the pictures they will post Uh and not on the actual okay I'm starting my life with somebody what do I need to do to be prepared because yeah. you go from that excitement of engagement to when is the wedding picking a shabby bridesmaids you know whoever is making your dress makeup you know venue like all of that right and I know now yeah. a lot of churches are making I think most as well making people do like medical tests and do uh-huh. uh, what's it called Premarital counseling and whatnot, right? No, one is a different subject. Please, what's the subject? No, I'm not. Okay, no, let's carry on. I don't mean to interrupt. Are you opposed to it? I know people have. No, 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 I'm not opposed to it. A lot of them, they just run through. They are not actually deep or involved. I know some people have. Yeah, that's my point. We just need to be very guided as to who we're going to premarital counseling. I say we. I'm not married, though, but people need to be very guided as to who they're, you know, seeking advice from. It's just yeah, you can be led astray very early on. Yeah, and you have to also go to people of like mind because i mean like going to you know people who don't share the same there are counselors that say and i'm not trying to say this is wrong or whatever but there are some people don't who don't believe in dating they'll say oh you're courting do you understand Mm. you have to go to people who share the same same ideas in somewhere like nigeria or nigerian or african community where marriage is a family thing it's not just you you can see the difference Mm -hmm. between that and quote-unquote foreigners 
where they know that it's actually them. Like the marriage is between both of them. So I feel like when I hear people who are not African, let's say Caucasian white people, it's a bit more detailed. They're like, okay, they actually talk about stuff and plan it. What would you do if, what if we can't have kids, finances, who will pay this? Even things like who will do the dishes, who will take out the trash, you know, all those stuff like that. How many children do we want to have? Should their mother come over? You know, they actually discuss practical things. But whereas in Nigerian, I feel like we gloss over a lot of stuff. Even one of my colleagues was saying, you know, talk about things like even death. What if somebody were to die? What if, you know, they already think about all these yeah. things ahead of time. Where would and we have a job here? Yeah. Thank you. It's God forbid. Mm-hmm. It's literally just don't focus on the negative. People just go in blind and they really don't know what to expect. And then you're on this high of, oh my God, you know, this person died. And think about how dating is in Nigeria where the guy can come to your house and sleep over. You can't go to his house and sleep over, right? That's, you know, if you're both maybe living with your parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. So some people even say like they have curfews. You can't be together after nine or 10. I see bad things mm-hmm. can't happen in the daytime or whatever. And then you go from that to the excitement of, I get to be in the same place with this person 24 seven. Like nobody can tell me to go home. So that yeah. honeymoon phase and that excitement, and then you get there like, this person doesn't put down the toilet seats. I don't like the way they squeeze toothpaste. <laughs> you leave your shoes on the floor. You know, all those things. So it's such a drop, like a crash. Right. And a lot of people just can't figure out, you know, and you go to your parents to say, hey, I I'm not understanding what's going on. I tell you, that's how marriage is. Like, literally, that's the answer to everything. Figure it out, yeah. Yeah, and at that point, you're on your own. All those people that had opinions before. Nobody, yeah. Gone. gone. And then they'll tell you, don't discuss your marriage outside. So pretty much stay there and Mm. however you figure it out, just figure it out, you know? That's another really, really worrying. But I think it's a bit weird where we actually, as you guys have said, have to be intentional about the whole marriage process, right? Yes, of course, you do want to be married and you want it to last forever. But how do you prepare yourself for that? Like, if you want to go to uni or whatever, you write whatever exams, you know, A-levels or... SATs or GRE there's a preparation process there's an application process you have to show that you're qualified but with marriage is literally just I love this person they asked me to marry me the family checks out that's it literally you know something else I don't know how it was in your primary school IBK but even in secondary school not as much but in primary school remember how they used to say no vernacular it was a thing like no speaking in any language or pidgin or whatever so we're actually discouraged from yeah you know communicating in our local languages was frowned upon because the whole idea was that you wanted to be you know posh and sophisticated and speak english and the more english you spoke the clearer or better your accent was then the better person you were so i think in our parents trying to quote and unquote give us the best they actually pushed us away from traditional you know things knowledge some people even food they didn't really eat maybe traditional stuff they didn't speak their languages at home because the idea was your child would be this world-class citizen speaking spree 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 as they call it but now (laughs) you have this generation of people that nothing you can't speak anything you can't communicate you don't understand and they now have traditional names and people my brothers are always complaining one of my brothers in particular every time people see him they start speaking Yoruba to him and he doesn't understand anything. So it was very embarrassing because he'll be saying, oh, I don't understand, I don't understand. And they'll still be speaking. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, okay, guys, I actually have to learn Yoruba now because it's ridiculous. Like, and then when he now says his name on top, it's just like, really? He doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, he does understand Igbo, but nobody's speaking Igbo to him regardless, I guess. But it's just, you know, embarrassing. I don't know. I think I have a very good ear for languages. I think that's what the difference is. And Mm. maybe also because when I was younger, we were more in our family house so I think I heard a lot of people speaking Yoruba and then I also spent a lot of time with my mom's parents so obviously I heard a lot of people speaking Igbo but then to be honest when I was growing up I didn't even know I was it was a different language I could understand I think it was probably till maybe I got to secondary school and I realized oh this is actually another language I can speak with other people you know I didn't know that I could really speak or understand I think I'd never made that my parents didn't I guess because they don't speak the same language they never went out of their way to say hey this is our language this is what like nobody ever told me this is what this means I just you know when you're young you just it up yeah yeah and then obviously we speak English at home so that's what my siblings speak I think secondary school did help me a lot too because you could speak with people who were your mates and even if you made a mistake it wasn't a big deal it was just you know 
weeks Yoruba, English, Igbo, whatever together and it was fun. And then obviously getting older, YouTube, watching Yoruba movies and stuff. A lot of my Yoruba, so I understand Yoruba pretty, I mean, pretty well. There's nothing, I don't think, I would, well, I say with confidence, I don't think there's anything Yoruba that I wouldn't understand, but my speaking is not as good. But similarly, it's a mixture of learning Yoruba in primary school, secondary school, and also learning how to tap cheese from <laughs> my, my mom, God, my grandma. When you hear people speak Yoruba, I, I remember when we were younger, they would speak Yoruba when they wanted to talk about something that they didn't want us. They didn't want you, yeah. Yeah. And that's just how I ended up learning Yoruba somehow. But my younger sister <laughs> kind of understands Yoruba, but not very well. But then again, she didn't do it in secondary school at all. She did Hausa. Oh so my Yoruba in secondary school definitely um, helped. helped my understanding. Helped. I mean, I didn't do Yoruba in secondary school, so. Oh, I thought you did. No, I did Igbo. You did Igbo? It was because primary school teacher, Mrs. Ojo, I still remember her name. I don't know what happened, Different but she and I had one kind of falling out. And I told her that I didn't even want to be in her class. I said, I should never come to her class again. I was telling somebody this yesterday. This is so, because she was supposed to be the adult. I was like nine or ten. So every time she would come into the class, I would go outside and just stand outside in the hallway till the period was over. So when I got to secondary school, that was the only reason why I was like, I'm not taking Yoruba, I hate this subject. And I went to Igbo. Oh my gosh. But it's so weird. Like, that was the reason why I didn't like, like, <laughs> I didn't want to take Yoruba. And I, I remember I became was an Igbo for like just one or something. I followed one boy to Igbo class, so see my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I, when I got to SS1, I was like, I'm like I can't do Igbo for work. <laughs> Let me respect myself. Let me respect myself. Oh That's so, so funny. I went back Yoruba. But you, so so do you guys feel like because I was talking to somebody else about do you think you actually learned stuff in Yoruba that made a difference? Like apart from actual yeah. writing, do you think you learned like maybe how to read Yoruba, write Yoruba, you know? For me, I learned a lot about Yoruba history and mm-hmm. interesting things in Yoruba land. So Miss P, I don't know if you guys remember Miss Peters, but she was yeah. very animated. She made us do the whole um day, I'll never forget, like Ala Renor, the person who introduces yeah. um yeah, the girl together and then Ishegirile Kono <laughs> all these oh different goodness. weird things so that, yeah but I would have never learned that anywhere else like I haven't heard about those things since secondary anywhere. school I think now that I think back even though I was never in Yoruba I still remember some of those terms because you guys would talk about it all the time so I know mm-hmm. at least for her at least she was a very animated Yoruba teacher and people really liked her and learned stuff you know I know some people from Igbo would even sneak to go yeah when yeah. you guys yeah. were doing the whole marriage thing it was very interesting yeah, yeah. So. I don't think I remember so much the stories and the history. I just remember we wrote a lot of essays. So my writing of Yoruba for sure definitely um, got a lot better. Although I then sat Yoruba why I even finished it, finished writing it, and I now dotted, put all the what they call it, stone marks at the end. Amiohu. And I think I got what was the lowest mark in my right? F9. Okay. Yeah, no, I didn't get F9, but I didn't get the ace, the ace that I thought I was going to get. I was so disappointed. D7. But oh you know, that being said, at least I know how I know how to write in Yoruba. So let's talk a little bit about music. When I was in primary school and I think for a lot of secondary school as well I did not know Nigerian music or Nigerian artists because there was this idea that I guess Raz obviously my parents would not say the word Raz but it was like that was something you listened to and maybe they sang in like pidgin or local languages and it was just rough like rough hands music like touts you know but somehow there was a switch and by the time we we're finishing secondary school P Square and all these other people you know I know there was what's that group that Two Face was in Plantation Boys 
Plantation boys and remedies and all those people. But I didn't really listen to them because, like I said, my parents and I didn't have older siblings that I could sneak and say, oh, you know. But by the time we are finishing secondary school, Nigerian music started slowly becoming, you know, it was okay, you know, Style Plus and all those other people. Those ones were singing in English. That's why it was okay. Yeah. And somehow now we're at the point of Mafo and Zanku <laughs> and well, I don't even know which one is English, you know, but you know, the Malian how do you make that turn? When now those are the things that are actually cool, where if you can dance, you know, if you can do these dances and sing in all these Yoruba and Igbo and Pidgin, it's actually popping. Isn't that like, funny how times yeah. change? Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, I to your point, so. the same way how people were saying in primary school, we shouldn't speak vernacular. We were colonized by the British. Therefore, we were aspiring to be as British. close to British in the way that we speak as we possibly can. I guess the closer that you are to British, the more, you know, the more, you know, higher up the ranks or the class system that you, you, you portray yourself to be. So I understand why our parents wanted us to go to good schools and to speak English and to learn how to do cursive writing in primary school and all oh, that. Oh my God, speak right, sound right. right. Yeah, or cursive writing and doing all the, what was it called? Phonetics. But to your point, then we went to secondary school, you know, got exposed to, and I guess primary school also is, a pretty young age to even be exposed to a huge amount of music because that's five to nine or five to sure, ten. Yeah. So we actually didn't really listen to that much music. Yeah, we did a bit of like you know black streets like when we would dance like Rugrats music and all Bad that. But we really didn't, <gasps> we didn't have Walkmans or Discmans. No, 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 no. But we started listening to um Timberland and Missy and all those people in oh, primary school. But that was primary school. That, 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 that is true. At the end of that is the end of primary six. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. primary six. Yeah, but then was. to your point now, you know, if a song is in English, I didn't want to hear it. If it's not Mafo, if it's not Yoruba, <laughs> or Yugo, or it's just something sweeter. And I think I appreciate it. I mean, not to sound, I think I just, I just appreciate everything about Nigeria and Nigerian culture and Nigerian music more. I think because I don't live in Nigeria, Nigeria. you know, I've lived, you know, outside Ooh. London, outside Nigeria for so how many years? For a very long time now. So every time I just, I'm very, very aware that my, you know, identity, everything about me is still very Nigerian. So I enjoy music that, I mean, because everybody has been in English for years for, since we were young. So I guess it's something new, something different. Yeah. yeah. I still remember when like the switch kind of happened in secondary school when we started listening to more Nigerian songs. It was like um, Jasmine, Olofi, and Style Plus. And I think radio played a big part yeah because we used to watch a lot of mtv i don't know if you guys remember we used to watch mtv yeah we used to watch a lot of mtv in boarding school and that's all we knew pretty much but then i guess when they took away the gstv (laughs) we were stuck (laughs) with radio so we listen to whatever is on radio and then we started hearing all those songs and we will sing it we'll sing anything on radio actually but yeah and then they i'll never forget Exactly, and harmonize. <laughs> and then I'll never forget one time we're going to pray. They played Runaway or something by, by Style Plus, and yeah, we knew the all, lyrics. all the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> and then the social night, they started playing those songs like little True. by little. You know, music. So. It's interesting because even till now, like we might say something, and I think what was the word? My sister and I were talking to my mom on the phone, and we're talking about the whole move back to Nigeria thing. What if you don't like it, or you just japa? My mom was like, "What's that?" Well, like japa. She's like, "What's that?" Like, you know, like run, like leave. She's like, "What language is that?" I thought japa was Yoruba. Well, like it's Yoruba, but I'm like, I don't know if it's actual Yoruba, Yoruba, or just Yoruba slang, but it's like, you know, Yoruba. She was like, after all the money we spent on your education. And my sister (laughs) 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 said, we went out of our way to send you to the best schools. 
you're even living abroad and that, that's what you're that's what you're learning that's what you're bringing back and we're just like what's the problem okay. but she says that a lot she's just like after all the money we spent sending you to the best school so i'm guessing i don't know what she was expecting like <laughs> not phonetics but do you see what i mean even till now there's that disappointment yeah. of and i always think of that like there are some songs that when I listen and I'm dancing, I'm like, man, my mom was here or my dad. Would they find this funny or whatever? But I guess it's what, like you said, is what they knew that who are aspiring to be more British, more put together, more, you know, posh and refined. They thought they were, not they thought they were trying to give us the yeah. best life that they had. I do remember when I was younger, though, going to my auntie's room, like sneaking in to listen to like Nigerian music. And it was, I was one of those guys, Junior and Pretty or something. I remember that. They had a lot of stories about Monica. Who was it with Monica's then? I, I, I don't know. But I just remember hiding and listening. And, you know, it was something that I knew I wasn't supposed to do. But I was so small. I don't know what they were saying, but, you know, it actually sounded funny to me. And I still remember, you know, some of the lyrics. Um, along the lines of what you were saying, with the whole our parents expecting us to speak better, I remember when we were in SS2, and we're all supposed to, well, I think they picked a few of us to give uh, speeches about the class before us. So I had to mm-hmm. give a speech about the outgoing class. class. And I never forget, my mom was telling me, I have to speak for me when I get there. <laughs> that I <should> <laughs> Just like, why? And Mrs. Lucy called me, she's like, okay, I should speak. That she wants to hear that I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> like what is going on here? She want her child to get on stage and start. <laughs> I know. So I had an to fake. Approve my dear, I had to fake this accent. And in fact, I don't even. I don't even want to Do remember it. <laughs> but yeah, oh, parents no. expect us. I guess when you speak in an accent, you sound more educated for some reason to them. When we were younger, the radio stations we were listening to, they were speaking regularly. Sometimes they may even pigeon. But now you turn on the radio, you listen to Nigerian news, and you don't even mm. know if you're in Nigeria or America my or dear. Canada. Or... Everybody yeah. has an accent. It doesn't even make. Yeah. It has an accent on radio, on TV, so American, British, accent? everything but Nigerian. Everything but Nigerian. Exactly. So there, there is, and someone was telling me that some of these TV stations, you know, they have their own kind of broadcast school. So when they hire you, you go through their own training and that's what, what they teach them. Like, this is how you should sound. So I'm like, now it's become an inferiority complex thing where if you don't have an accent, then you're inferior. Yeah. And, um, well, similar to that, I don't know if you guys know this YouTube um, girl, I think she grew up somewhere in the East. She's an Igbo girl. She Uh has an Igbo accent. I mean, Uh she still sounds very educated, very, she sounds, I mean, quote unquote, she sounds very educated. And then a lot of people flooded her comments saying pretty, as pretty and as refined as she is, why is she still speaking like this? Why does she still have an accent? She did the funniest video. She said, if you guys want me to lose my Igbo accent and speak American, (laughs) cut off my tongue. (laughs) Uh-huh. Put like this she, she, said, she was like, why do Nigerians hate themselves so much? Themselves and so it's the same much. thing, like yeah. here in England, people have the regional accents, the way people in Liverpool sound compared Different. to Newcastle, compared to Brennan, compared mm-hmm. to Manchester, it's so varied. But yeah. if a Nigerian mistakenly, and I'm not even going to like because I'm also probably part of the problem, but if a Nigerian mistakenly drops an H, it's so loud. <laughs> Well, if you really think about it, like the same way everybody has their own regional accent, it's the same way Yoruba language. Okay, or maybe they don't pronounce. Mm-hmm. Some people cannot pronounce H in Hausa. Is it P and F that yeah. they kind of yeah. interchange? So we just need to be more 
accepting of who accepting. We are. We're exactly. not English, we're not British. Our tongue is not yeah. American or English either. So I think, yeah, Nigerians, yeah. we're a bit too harsh on ourselves. Even when I meet people for the first time and they're like, oh, you've lived in the US for X amount of years and they expect that you have an accent. And I'm like, why? Yeah. I was yeah. around a lot of Nigerians. Already full-grown yes. adults. Minazai, we're already exactly. full-grown adults that finished secondary school. So well, how you're easy... saying that. The people that came two years ago and I don't understand what they're saying. Like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> more British than yours. Yeah, so I think it's can. also like we said, it's a complex thing. When people assume complex. That yeah. having an accent, you know, automatically makes you superior or better. So they are going out of their way. I think that's where the problem. When we talk about, you know, Nigeria at sixty, and we have these issues, and we have, we don't even like ourselves as Nigerians. Because we've talked about so many things yep. about ourselves, our culture, the way we speak, you know, our traditions that we want to get rid of. So what exactly does Nigeria mean to us? If you want to strip everything, you pretty much want America or Canada or UK, but moved to West Africa. That's really what it is. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I understand yeah. wanting basic amenities because we all want that. You want to like, you know, have constant electricity. You want water from your taps. You want good roads, basic things. But all these other extra things that were more focused on, you know, co-Atlantic and charging ridiculous billions for land and then building crap mm-hmm. on the land and that's supposed to be exclusive because you live, you know, mm-hmm. there's just... The priorities are misplaced is what it is. That's the word. Yep. And to your point, I mean, every single Nigerian will move back and want to live in Nigeria if we had, to your point, healthcare. We know that mm-hmm. if we fall ill today, we can actually go to hospital and our life is not at risk. Because no matter how rich right. you are in Nigeria, I mean, you have a better chance if you're very wealthy. But still, there are people that die because they're carrying their body from hospital to hospital. They're saying, we oh, have to drop 90,000 pounds before we can treat you. Basic things. Security. People, even in lockdown, apparently, you know, I was seeing on my accredited news source, Instagram, during lockdown, <laughs> of how, you know, armed robbery and everything skyrocketed during lockdown because people were during hungry. Lockdown. The government yep. says they at home. They're not subsidizing their anybody in any way. There's no grants, nothing. Stay at home. And yeah. people are like, would I rather go out and risk catching COVID or stab yeah. my family to death? Yeah, so our priorities are this place. And everybody, I would love to. I mean, I have no fear of going back to Nigeria. And I, I, my, I want to be, I'll be back in Nigeria at some point. But for me, those are the things that I think about. Self-care, security, just yeah. frustration. Every time you try and do something good, you know, young people are going back, trying to start their businesses. You know, Nigerians are trailblazing in the tech space, all sorts. But mm-hmm. tomorrow, yeah. Nigerian governments will impose Again, I saw that they're imposing water tax, all sorts of weird yeah, taxes, all kinds of things, you know, content no, creation, everything. Mm-hmm. So they're making it really hard for people to want to actually really? come back and make something of themselves yeah. in their home country. I was having this conversation with Essie actually, and when Big Brother was ending, obviously, you know, the winner was going to get, you know, whatever, 40 million, 30 million. And I was like, I won't be surprised if, you know, the government makes a thing about tax. And no joke, the day he Did won. You see? Yeah. Lagos Inland, whatever, said, you know, then Augustate's Internal Revenue Service also tweeted at him saying, uh, indigene, and put his full government name and said, we look forward to it. Yeah, they have barely left the house, yeah. (laughs) I'm like... They were like, we're waiting for that tax. We're waiting for you, yeah. Yeah. So to me, I'm like... So Lagos did it, Augustate did it, and I'm just like, is he supposed to pay tax in both... I don't know how it works, obviously, I don't know the details, but you don't do anything to make life better for young people. You frustrate them. Look at that whole nonsense they did earlier in the year about banning cadres or whatever mm. when a lot of people have gone out and started all these other businesses where you use a phone app and you know right government was at the launch yeah. shaking hands with them this is their own capital maybe they got you know money from investors and in a twinkle of an eye you just wrecked their whole business yeah. model yeah. and walked away it's ridiculous 
Yes. Now they say they want to start taxing, you know, artists and musicians for their content or for their whatever literary work. And it's not even clear. I saw the, the statement they released. It's not even clear what they're asking for. What exactly they're asking yeah. for. Yeah. So you make it, so, you know, a lot of people started going into like logistics business and stuff. That one now, they said they've given it to Nipos to handle. Nipos is their yeah. competitor. It's like asking the US Postal Service. Because Nipos has moderate. been there forever. Like, yeah. what have they done? What have they done? Nothing. So it's like asking US Postal Service to moderate FedEx and UPS and DHL. Yeah. That's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they're yeah. going to make things difficult because they don't want those people to, you know, progress or, yeah. you know, surpass them, quote and unquote, or steal their job. You know, you have all these leaders who are stealing millions and billions in foreign currency and nothing happens. They'll tell you snake swallowed it. Like, I still can't get over that. And everybody just shouted on social media and that was oh it. God. Literally, that was it. Nothing done. No, we have EFCC for no reason. That was yeah, nothing happened. There's no accountability, yeah. and that's no the thing. Everybody knows that ultimately they can get away with. I mean, there'll be social media. I mean, in mm-hmm. two days, everybody will come for you. By the mm-hmm. third day, they're on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So yep. people know, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. People will come yep. after me. They'll try, and we can, you know, stage a fake arrest from EFCC, handcuff yep. me. By the third day, I'm back in my house with the millions exactly. of in my bank account. The heat doesn't last. It doesn't, doesn't last. last. And to Miley's point, with you know, healthcare and everything, even if you are the richest person in Nigeria, there's also the issue of traffic. So if mm. there's an emergency and you're stuck in traffic, it's not like they have planes or helicopters or whatever that can airlift you and all that. Like you're still in the same position. Yeah. You know, and traffic is one of my care. Like that's one thing that I just absolutely can't deal with. And I'm always afraid. Like I don't drink a lot of water because I don't want to get stuck in traffic in case I need to use the restroom. Like you have to think about these things. Those things frustrate me thinking about them. I think for me, I used to have this hope of, you know how we keep saying because we have old leaders, it's the same old recycled people. You know, someone will be a governor, serve eight years, then go to be a senator or be a senator and go, you know, back and forth. And it's just the same people who have been in politics for ages. So there was that hope of once we get rid of this crop of people, we have younger people coming up that will do more dynamic things. But now I see these young people getting there and doing even worse than their, because their people are actually getting into office at younger ages, right? Because they're reducing the ages that you can contest. So I know a lot of boys who have moved back or who never left Nigeria, who are now in like PAs to, you know, some governor or special advisor and the kind of lives they are living, I'm like, not on government salary. So clearly yep. you're giving your friends yep. contracts and keeping your own court. And so what is the future if the people we're hoping will make change and not even from a young age, tearing eye. You're a young yeah. boy who just started working. You already want to live in Banana Island with your father's mates who have worked for 40 years and built, you know, their career. And that hope we're waiting for is being dashed. And I think for me, that's something that's really scary because a lot of our parents, when they got married, they didn't get married and move into it. You know, they started really humbly. Within their means, yeah. up, you know, yeah. within their means, even sending your kids to school was a sacrifice. You know, if you had a good car, that was cool. If you what you could do, you did. But now you have people who you're 21, but you want to, you know, only go in private jets. But you don't have a job. <laughs> you're already used yeah. to that high standard. Yeah, Nothing exactly. anybody's going to tell you to bring to you down. For anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, your eyes are going to be bigger than even what your father's eyes were because you need the millions and billions to live those lives you want to have a house abroad and also have you know mansions in lagos and drive you know all these fancy cars on the same roads that have port home i don't know what you guys think about that as far as you know how they say we're the future of whatever now we're actually old enough to start playing that role Mm -hmm. do you think we actually have anything to offer like are we going to be any different are we the solution to nigeria's problems or are things only going to get worse? i think for me i i feel like i think our characters need to change i mean i hope i i 
I, my hope is that we will get better, but I still see a lot of these characters in us. So for example, um, I went to some program, I won't mention any names, but I went to some program in Silicon Valley and it was hosted by the Nigerian government. And there were a lot of young people there that were representing like, you know, the government or whatever. And they were supposed to be helping um, like Nigerian youth in the diaspora or whatever. I can't even really remember what it was about, but something as basic as somebody like handling the PowerPoint, they didn't have anybody to do it. So they came with a team but then nobody was designated to do it. And it ended up being the person I was with who wasn't even part of that team that volunteered to do it. And I'm like, is this a matter of, it's not like, first of all, these people, it's not like they're not educated. It's not like they are not um, exposed or whatever. It's just basic incompetence. Like they just didn't plan. And these are young people. These are not, you know, older people or whatever that we can say, oh, maybe they don't have um, computer skills and things like that. I hope, I I feel like there are a lot of younger people who are doing amazing things. and, And my hope is that it will continue to get better. But there's still a large majority of people who, still have that mentality young and old yeah and similarly there's one or two young people can't go into office with a plan to turn things around you know drastically and for it to actually work there's power in numbers right it needs to be i mean i don't even it needs to be um a mass overtaking of the government (laughs) not overtaking but like you know there needs to be a group of young people that are all aligned they know what their values are they know what their plan for nigeria is they know that okay if i'm going into you know whether it's a ministry or senate whatever it is they're very clear as to what they want to achieve at the end of it because they are going to hit roadblocks they're going to meet someone that's going to be like Okay, yeah, young, yeah, fresh, you're out of uni, you're coming here with, I want to change this and that. So yeah, just take $50 million and go and chill. And when you're faced with that, what do you do? Because at the end of the day, a lot of these decisions is money in your bank account today versus let me just take, let me actually, you know, put my morals ahead of any kind of financial gain that I might be getting and look at the Mm -hmm. bigger goal. Because some people might, out of frustration, might actually go in with the right intentions. But this is a system that is so, and I don't like using the word, I mean, corruption is everywhere. I don't like when I use the word, when people use the word corruption, synonymous synonymous with Nigeria or West Africa or Africa alone. Western corruption is just very organized and, you know, it's handshake. It's not as in your face as, you know, Nigeria. You know, if you you can go in with the best of intentions and you would just be sidetracked or you just you someone will offer you something and you'd end up losing sight of why you went there in the first place. So I believe that there can be change. It needs to be done. I don't know, there needs to be a very clear plan and it needs to be a mass <laughs> movement. I mean, I'm not in that's not my line of work. I don't actually I'm not that knowledgeable on I'm not feigning, you know, huge knowledge on Nigerian politics or anything, but I think it needs to be more than just one or two people and they need to be cost because somebody will offer you and, a check yeah, and exactly and to, and, your, and to your point about people offering you a check so there's no accountability so if you feel like i can get away with it then you're going to take the money and you're going to go but if you if, if it was like the fbi for example and you know they're coming after you or something i think you would think twice exactly, exactly. you know before you do that but in nigeria the temptation is greater because you you may be able to pay off the police inspector general or something for example and there's also just the final point to that there's also um the point where if again depending on where you're coming from if it's someone that you know hasn't necessarily come from a lifestyle or comfort and they somehow find themselves in this kind of role and you're faced between doing the right thing and taking a shortcut but then earning ridiculous amounts of money doing it you know you have a family to feed you have you have a lot of responsibilities i wouldn't not that i wouldn't i i understand why people choose not to do the right thing because yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's a tough, it's 
society at the end of the day. And I feel like there are people who would look at you like you are another because you yeah, exactly. They were like, like this becomes... young that's coming, thinking he can come today and change what we've been doing for years. Yeah. I think the thing is this, right? When we say the government is a reflection of everyday people, which is the truth, right? Because the mentality of who is at the top, as much as we might be angry or whatever, a lot of times it's the same thing. Think about you know, just an average Nigerian person who is not really doing well, struggling to make ends meet, and you're selling your property pretty much to send your child to, let's say, a federal school or Nigerian university, and your daughter goes to school first year, you know how much you gave her to go to school. You even know that's not enough. Like, she might have to hustle when she gets there. And then your daughter comes back in the first year with a car, and you don't ask, sorry, what, how, when, is, oh, my daughter has bought a car, and it becomes a celebration. We now have a car in our compound. And neighbors are envying you. So that accountability starts from home, yeah, right? right? When your son is maybe going to, I don't know, Ghana to go start business. And within three months, he comes back, he's building a mansion. And you don't ask, sorry, what exactly, you know, what exactly yeah. is this business? How are you making so much so quickly? Yeah. It's almost like yeah. you don't care. You're not bothered. You're not interested. The fact is there's money. So if yeah. that's happening at the, you know, smaller level or family level, even ordinary, your child goes to school and come back. I remember then you have something. Mom is like, I didn't buy that pen. Where do you get that exactly. from? My friend, right. which friend? What was your friend's name? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But there are many people who would take even a, an iPad home and nobody will ask you, where is this from? How did you get this? So if we're not mm-hmm. doing that at the family level, why are we expecting government yeah. all the way or, you know, police or whoever? We all do it. The mentality, as we've talked about, has to change from each and every one of us as an individual. You also have people in office who are just like, well, it's not my business. That's also the mentality of most Nigerians. They're like, I'm here to hustle for myself and my family. I don't care about anything else going on. If things get too bad, I will travel out or I will move abroad, right? So little things like that, as much as we want to say government is this, or you go somewhere to buy something, they tell you I don't have change. You're running a business. People are coming here, but you don't have change. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah, you can't go to the bank. And people that have spare money or weddings, you're outside the wedding. You see people with bundles of change. Change exactly. is not that like even crisp new notes. <laughs> if you have a business, of course, you go to the bank to make your deposits of whatever people buy. Then you ask for smaller, mm-hmm. you know. So, and the thing is, they say such an entitled mentality of madam, I don't get change and eh, we not get change. Yeah, but if I pay you less than the full amount, you're not going to exactly. take it. Why you're not assume, too many things when we look at it. Or so you want to talk about the situation of you have a meeting, maybe I have a meeting with IBK and I come to your office and the security man is like, yeah. Madam, no day. Uh, before you see Madam, you go say to me, like, your job is to welcome me, ask me my name, call up to see if I have an appointment, open the gates, but you want That's to harass me, stress me, make me bribe you to do your job. You know, so we can sit all day and talk about all these different things, but as much as we want to throw sand at the government, oh, Nigeria 60, what have you achieved? As individuals, what are we doing? And how are we expecting some person in government to be so different? Like, you know, yeah. we're a product of, you know, our society or whatever. For IBK that is in Lagos right now, what are some of the challenges you faced that you think makes it not like I don't want to stay in Nigeria or I can't wait to leave, but frustrating mm-hmm. or things that are frustrating your efforts? And therefore, Amal, the question would be, what are some of those things that are preventing you from, like, you said you wanted to move to Nigeria long term. What are things preventing you right now from going? Like, what are things that you think... I won't be able to cope with this or that. This is why I can't go. So we'll start with IBK. Off the top of my head, I will say traffic, honestly. That's one of my biggest issues with Nigeria. Like, I have to really think about my day before I step out. Like, I I don't want to end up being in traffic for four or five hours. You know, besides that, I'll also say the way people treat women. I don't know if there's anything we can do about that, but the way men some men in Nigeria talk to women 
you know, especially if you are single or the way they switch when they find out that you're a married woman, they, they give you some kind of respect, respect. as opposed to yeah. if you were single because only God knows who your husband is, right? Yeah, I would like to see men treat women better. Women treating women better too. Having a general respect for each other as opposed to this idea of... <laughs> I remember there was a time that I went to buy something a game and this man he was he he couldn't speak english but he needed my help he was trying to find a yam pounder so he goes um he was speaking yoruba to me so he was asking me where is the yam pounder so i told him where it was he was now explaining to me yoruba that the the one we put at home refuses to pound the yam or something like that and i was like what like the way he said it like i was like I don't understand. Is that her job? I mean, okay, maybe that is her job, but it was just the condescending manner in which he described his wife. Like, oh, can you imagine this woman cannot pound yam? So I need a yam pounder. That's why I'm here, pretty much. Stuff like that. I think I just want to see more respect of women and traffic. We need to build more bridges and fix our roads in Lagos specifically. Specifically. There's too many people in Lagos. That one's a topic for another. Too time. many. Like, so what I want to see, Nigeria. Okay, I think you said what's stopping me from. I don't yeah, even. What, what would you want to see, or that would entice you, or make you feel better about moving, about even moving back? Yeah. For me, the two main things. Um, I think I mentioned earlier is just healthcare. Having you know the average Nigerian. I, I know that's the. <laughs> A bit of a very long-term dream. I'm not saying that's what's stopping me from moving back tomorrow, but I mean, you know, in an ideal Nigeria, just access to healthcare, not just for those that can afford it, but for every human, it should be, you know, your human rights to, you know, have access to healthcare if you're, you know, ill or you actually need to see um, someone. Security, you know, I'm somewhat paranoid when I'm in Lagos sometimes, you know, the whole, I mean, luckily I've never actually experienced any form of, you know, break-in or armed robbery firsthand or anything, but that is somehow always at the back of my mind you know there's just you know a level of i mean i can stay here in my flat for weeks on end sometimes i even wake up in the morning i realize my door is wide open and i feel not wide open but like not locked like my flat door is open and that fear isn't there there's no fear that you know somebody's going to break in i can live in a flat on my own for me it's just the pay parity versus standard of living in nigeria you can be earning you know what on paper is actually a competitive salary but house pricing in Lagos, you know, yeah, being able to get access to finance is essentially non-existent. You know, here where you can have a plan to buy a car, to get a mortgage, buy a house, can actually start to quote-unquote build your life. Yeah, access yeah. to finance in Nigeria, regardless of your salary, is just not... I mean, there are people that work in banks that, okay, can get the car lease. I just think it doesn't lend you... You know, it doesn't lend you... <laughs> And a society to just build a life on your own without having to depend a lot on either parents or friends or, you know, you can't, you really cannot exist as a, as IBK said, a single woman in Nigeria. There's also the, you know, as she said, again, people speak to single women differently. There's just a level of respect that isn't given the same way that they would to someone that has a ring on their finger because they don't know who your husband might be. Again, similar to, I've worked in London for how many years now? Quite a few years. And I'm used to things that work. A workplace right, right. that an organization that has clear sets out, okay, these are the employer rules, this is what we call it. If you do X, Y, Z, you achieve this. You know, it's mm-hmm. you, you can structure your life around your company and your company values structure. and progression and all that. But again, I'm not saying that every single you know company in Nigeria is the same, 
but there is less structure. There's a lot more um, gray lines. Yeah, there's a, and there's a lot more resistance. You know, I'm not going to have to sit down with my line manager every year and be like, okay, this is why I want to start. Just be like, okay, bye. As in this person here right. has graduated from uni and doesn't have a job, they can replace you. Yeah. You don't have the same level of bargaining power because there's there isn't the same level of structure that being said nigeria is my home this england i've just <laughs> I, I like to say i'll be here on a very long holiday <laughs> but yeah that, those things wouldn't stop me from going back but it would be nice if i had you know those things i think for me which i think is more of people if people could be more their noses out of your business. I understand how they say, you know, a community raises a child and obviously nothing wrong with that. But I remember one time I went home for Christmas. Obviously, you guys remember I used to have like, you know, or have really bad cramps. And I was having one of those and I was supposed to be traveling maybe that day or the next day. So my mom said, okay, go to family doctor to, you know, get something or let him check you out. Which probably was already a bad idea because the same doctor gave birth to all my mom's seven children. So he has known us from, uh, you know, those I've known you for, I brought you out, that kind of thing. But I never had any, you know, respectable older man, professional, all of that. So anyway, I went, normal greeting. Oh my God, you are so big. Oh, where have you been? How is everything going? And he said, oh, you know, very soon. I'm sure wedding bells, you know, blah, blah. Normal, oh, amen. And he said, don't bring a white man home. I was like, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> what? Said, I know, but maybe mommy will not want when? to tell you this, but uh, we don't want, who are the we? We. <laughs> we. That was he said, you don't want any Oyimbo. I tell my children the same thing. I want to say, sir, at that point, I was so irritated. I didn't want him to check me out anymore. I was just like, where is that coming from? You're not my family member. Yes, you're a quote-unquote family doctor. I haven't seen you in ages. Like, why do you think you have a say in my life and my future? You get what I mean? So, and that's, I mean, so many different people on so many different levels, on so many different topics. Someone will see you and say, ah, you've put on, you've added. (laughs) So that will happen what I want. Yeah. You know, the that are womb watchers. Well. Oh, watchers. What well, mm. haven't you given me? When I was your age, ah, you should be married by now. It would be too picky. If you were not picky, you know, this is your beauty. It won't last forever. You don't want to be 40 and see. From where to where? Like, what the list you? goes on. <laughs> I'm just like, you have to have you know? Or say, yeah, ah, you, know, you can't live alone. People think that you're inviting men to your apartment. What does that even mean? Do you understand? Why do we have that mindset? Like, you know, even landlords, people will tell you single women is difficult to get a place because yeah, a landlord think yes. you're going to bring so every single woman is a prostitute. So what's your point? Like she, even when you know she has a job and this is her salary. So I think close to what you guys said about just being a woman who can live and do things that she needs to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. I understand. Like for security reasons, like here, yeah, I can get up at any time. Oh, I don't have this at home and drive to the store. Even if it's 1 a.m., it's not a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, in Nigeria, that's not something you want to do, right? Fuel stations close at a certain time and there's certain rules. That's okay. But I should be able to get an apartment, live by myself, and it not become a problem or not make me mm-hmm. a target or make people yeah. in church look at me sideways or, you know, whatever, right? So that's woman's right thing or people respecting you, whether it's in church or at work. My friend was telling me how when he was doing his um, kind of internship thing they do when you go to school in Nigeria, the multinational oil company like this company is all over the world and he will come to work and his nigerian boss will be telling him things like oh you know i have people coming to work in the house today i need you to go to my house and go and watch them how why you know or another friend i have that moved back from here and his boss was just on his neck he was almost like oh your mind came for my brother i'll, be, I'll humble you so was going oh, out yeah, of his yeah, really, that's another thing he'll give him so much yeah. work where he can't breathe he'll do all this work then the boss will present it as his own in a meeting and he can't he, he was going to say you thief you know so I feel like there's just this almost like an anger and hatred for upcoming people. It's almost like, who do you think you are? Oh, you think you can just come from 
wherever. And, you know, that's something that I, I don't want to say fear, but I don't look forward to at all. Like even when I go visit and I have these interactions, I'm just like, I don't know if I can do this, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of patience. <laughs> a lot of patience. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know how people say, you just have to understand that's how Nigeria is and take it like that. But yeah. slowly, somehow, you know, even the change thing, that thing, and I don't know why that thing really, really, and that I don't have change. It's not like the money is a big deal, but I think the mindset you know, it's of, very annoying. Yeah. you know, entitlement or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. For me, I think that would be that just being Oh, free. I forgot to add something too. Also, I had bureaus collecting money <laughs> to pack. Like that's mm-hmm. another thing that just as it annoys me as much as I don't have change. Cause I'm like, yeah. I don't understand. Like, why should I pay to here? But if you don't want trouble, just give them. You have to pay them and yeah. get it over. In kind of wrapping up, I know we talked about this, our parents spending so much money to send us to the best schools and expecting a lot from us. But when I think of some of the games we played as kids, they were not on par with the so-called education <laughs> that our parents were paying for. One, two, a lot of them were quite violent as well. Like, yeah, yeah, really. I was in primary school, so I don't know if I became know some of these, but I will, I have like two or three I've written down, and I will like say a line and see if you guys know like what comes next or if you remember what okay. this game was. Right. Okay. So the first one is boys are rotten, made out of cotton, girls, girls, are, girls handy. are handy, made, made out of candy. First of all, why were we already doing men are trash in primary school? Like that's exactly what this song was. <laughs> men has come. Men has come. Okay. Another one. Okay. What's this one? I'm a nut in a hot. I stole the meat from the pot. So what? I remember. I, I remember it. So it's I'm a nut in a hot. I stole the meat from the pot. So what? I'm crazy. I'm foolish. I'm foolish. I'm crazy. I'm foolish. So what? I remember that. Why? Like, why that. was that okay? I've never heard that actually. It doesn't make sense. I'm a nut. Cinderella so, one. I'm a nut. I have that written here. Oh, Cinderella do? dressed in yellow. When <laughs> that's a fellow, by mistake, he kissed his snake. <laughs> oh, fun times. Serpentine spirit. I mean, and this is what our parents thought they were paying premium money for, and this is what we're playing. It's so funny. Yeah, My mom actually. I don't remember where I heard this one from. I'm pretty sure it was primary school. But it says like chop amala, chop amala before you die. Before you, you die. die. Yeah, it was. I think yeah. it was primary school. Yeah, it was primary school. What was that? I didn't really remember. I I know it had to do like hand gestures or something. Like hand. I think yeah. like chop amala, chop amala. But did you guys see those? You know those Zikoko quizzes that go around the yeah. to Like I remember those ones, and there was one of our primary school games, oh, and really? I sent oh. it to my family group, and all of us got like nine of us. My mom was actually like, what you guys were doing when I sent you to primary school. <laughs> Okay, no, the last one. Do you guys remember this one? Jangolova Ekomoto. <laughs> yes, I do, boy. I, I mean, know your memory is very I good. I remember it for what sure. It? I don't remember the What words. was the game? I remember Jangolova. That, that was it, I think. Yeah, that was it. It was the end of the song. You were, sw- you were swinging people or you were swinging... Oh. Yeah, it was one of those. But where did all these things come from? And how did it go to every single school? Because even wonder, when you... Yeah. How did everybody in every school... All over Lagos, and I'm guessing all over Nigeria, know all the same. Like, I, game. Know, like I have a theory. Maybe when they get back home, 
they will tell like maybe their neighbors, yeah, they play with their neighbors, and those ones uh, go to school. And... But how many generations would that have happened over for the whole <laughs> of Nigeria? To have, you know, the no, no, this was sweet. Years. Now it's to spread they like wildfire. Actually... Well, this was fun. This was so much fun. Thank you, ladies, what? so much. Before we go, just a I don't want to say parting word for people that are listening about Nigeria. It's like your hope, your dream, just something good that you wish. So now we're doing sixty, right? So by the time we get to Let's say 70 years, right? Because 10 years is enough for change or at least some form of change. So what would you want to see Nigeria at 70, ideally? I think Nigeria at 70, my hope is that we'll be at a place where, you know, all the citizens, well, majority of citizens aren't running to Canada or the US, you know, anywhere in Europe, you know, in the search for, I guess, a better standard of living. The hope is that Nigeria would actually be a place that we can all, you know, go back to without any reservations, you know, without any, you know, fears. Because we all want to be there. It's just the brokenness to a certain extent of society that's stopping us from going back. So, yeah, just a Nigeria where people actually aren't, every person isn't trying to leave and, you know, fly and run to Canada or somewhere else. Um, I'd like to see a Nigeria where everybody searches within themselves and looks for what they can do and how they can help, you know, even if it's raising your child to be truthful and not being corrupt no matter what. That plays a huge role in the long run. So I feel like, you know, we should have this mentality of little drops make, you know, a mighty ocean. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to fake people who are already way, <laughs> way beyond redemption, let's start from, you know, young people now. And let's not frustrate people into doing crazy things. So we should try as much as possible to, I don't know how, but eradicate poverty where people are not just trying to live by any means possible. I think for me, it would just be, I think we didn't really get into this because there's so much to talk about, maybe another podcast, but if you can stop using religion to cover up, we use religion as such a blanket for everything, right? Bad behavior mm-hmm. and oppressing people and just living a fake life. We're all self-righteous, right? Mm-hmm. There's a church on every street corner, mosque, all of that. And still Nigeria is one of those places where there's just so much evil and, you know, corruption and, you know, people don't even care about their neighbor in reality. So I just yeah. pray for a Nigeria where, of course, religion is so important and relationship with God is key, but where we can actually see each other as humans first, love people the way you love yourself. When you want the best for yourself and the person next to you, you do your, you play your own part. Even if it's something as simple as don't throw trash into the gutter because, you know, right. you know what the effects will be. So when you care about yourself, you care about those around you, you care about your country, you care about your environment, the way you represent the country wherever you are. I think that will go a long way because it's individual, right? Making Nigeria a better place. Not thinking of how you can cheat the next person. Mm-hmm. Not thinking of how you can, you know, how much is this thing? You tell me it's 10,000, whereas it's actually 4,000 just because you want to pocket it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where we actually just you respect people, you do your best and, you know, hopefully you progress or whatever. And on October 1st, I was actually looking at Nigerian National Anthem. And I'll just read out, I guess, for whoever, maybe people who are not Nigerian or don't remember, the second stanza. And it says, O God of creation, direct our noble cause, guide our leaders right, help our youth the truth to know, in love and honesty to grow, and living just and true, great lofty heights attain, to build a nation where peace and justice shall reign. 
So that's my prayer for Nigeria, that we can actually live and follow the anthem we created ourselves. I don't think it's the right person that created it for us. Because it actually sums everything up, right? You know, does, yeah. everybody just be fair, plus government, plus, you know, regular citizens and the greatness that Nigeria is destined to have, being giants of Africa, all these resources that we have, all the talent and different cultures and languages who actually use it for good and become, you know, a force to reckon with. Amen to that. The world. Amen, Amen to that. that. So thank everybody for listening this week. Follow us on Instagram, Abansa Motivation. Send me a DM if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Till I come your way next week. Bye.